Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast, your weekly look into the world of miles, points, and travel. My name is Sean Coomer, founder of Miles to Memories, and I'm joined each and every week by my co-hosts Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and MTM Managing Editor Mark Osterman. Each week, the three of us talk for about 45 minutes or so about the day's hot topics, plus expert tips to save you time and money on travel. As a reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast app that you use and love. You can find all of the relevant links to subscribe at mtmpodcast.com. And finally, if you do like the show, if you've been enjoying it, consider uh, telling a friend or leaving us a review so that uh, we can spread the message and reach more people. Thanks so much, and now on to the show. Let's go. So we just got back from the uh, Chicago seminars. Mark and I were there. Joe, what were you uh, doing this past weekend? I was taking care of the triage illness hospital that is my household right now. Not much fun. And it sounds like you might have uh, caught some of what was going around, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're in a family of five, you know, you kind of can't uh, can't stay away from it. But uh, yeah, I was following the seminars from afar, and it looked like uh, you guys had a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what you get for not going to Chicago, Joe. You get sick. If you just would have showed up, you'd be fine right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like me with a cold that I have. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, Sean is uh, kind of uh, proof that that's not the case. But anyway, that's because Sean didn't drink any alcohol, so he didn't kill any of the germs. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's uh, that's uh, a good science there, Mark. <laughs> Prove it. It, it was uh, it was really good. We met a lot of. Well, the first thing I'm gonna say, we uh, shout out to everyone that listens to the podcast that we met because there was quite a few people who uh, loved the podcast and quite a few people who were missing you, Joe, and asked about you. And, yeah, uh, hi, hi, travel with Grant. It was great to meet you. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was quite a few other people, but I don't want to say names of specific people because I don't want to forget anybody. And I'm really bad with names, but and we'll be here all night. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Joe, be over in like uh, Jack, John, it'd be over in uh, like uh, five seconds. But yeah, Timmy, Buddy, Sally. All right, I don't care you. about what people said about the podcast. Michelangelo, Donatello, Raffaello. Well, you know, Joe, we have to feed our ego a little bit here. All right, but just to start off, no. But I did want to say thank you to everybody. But yeah, Mark, this was your first Chicago seminars. This was my fourth time uh, being there. So what did you think, Mark? Even though you didn't go into any of the talks. I went into Bethany's and yours, but uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, I had a good time. It was awesome uh, meeting people that, that have the same uh, passion for miles and points as well as, you know, some people that have read their work. So it was nice to meet in person and put a face to a name and everything like that. So that's what I always look forward to when, I, when we go to seminars and that type of thing is to just meet and greet different people and, you know, talk about what we think about certain things and, you know, better tips get shared in smaller groups and, and all that good stuff. So it was definitely worth it, a good time, even if, if I've missed most of the seminar. 
Yeah, it was, uh, I agree. It was a good time. It's always good to see people that you are, are for me uh, being my fourth time there, uh, people that I've met uh, over and over, over the years, but there was a lot of newer people too. So it was fun to talk with them. And I was lucky enough that Howie, who uh, put in all the work, thank you, Howie, for doing all the work uh, to get the Chicago seminars going. If you don't know, all the proceeds go to a charity. So it's an event that everybody donates their time to kind of support charity and learn a little bit. But anyway, I, he let me talk about family travel and Disney. So I guess you knew that I was going to be happy there uh, doing that. And yeah, our good friend Marty Paz on the Disney panel uh, actually got engaged. So we had an engagement right at the Chicago seminars. That was the highlight of the weekend, I think, for everybody. And uh, I was in the room. Mark, were you in the room for that? No, I was uh, taking a nap. You had a few. You had a few late nights. No, uh, no judgment. Uh, the, se- there. the second one was your fault. You kept me out late. That was all you. Anyway, yeah, it was a lot of fun. These seminars are a lot of fun. If you haven't been to any, uh, whether it be the Chicago seminars or meetups like our uh, Vegas do coming up in just a couple weeks here, November 9th, uh, shameless plug. They're a lot of fun. It's great to network with people, meet with people, reconnect with friends that you see sort of occasionally. I have a, a lot of people that I now see at all various meetups, and it's always nice to see them. In fact, I see a lot of travel friends more often than I see my local friends, which is sort of crazy, but that's the world we live in. So tell me about the Vegas do. What does uh, Miles to Memory have planned for that? Memories, excuse me. Yeah, we thank you for saying it correctly, Joe, after uh, it only took you till episode 11. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Never said the words Miles to Memories on this podcast ever. Everyone go back and listen. There, there is I'm one time continue. you said Miles to Memory. On the podcast, I remember I didn't say anything, but uh, anyway, uh, we're going to do three and a half hours of presentations. Uh, we're locking in the schedule. Actually, Mark and I were going over that today, but you're going to hit on reselling, on buyers clubs, on credit cards, on Vegas loyalty, and uh, we're going to have a, a round table with all of our speakers as well. And uh, it's all free. It's a reader appreciation event, so we're not charging for it. And then following, we're going to actually have a dinner uh, across the street at a restaurant. Anybody's welcome to come. You just pay for what you uh, for what you consume. So it's going to be a whole afternoon of learning and night of uh, networking and conversation in, in Las Vegas. So it's going to be really fun. How many people do you guys think are going to be coming out? Um, it's hard to tell because it is a free event, so we don't have tickets that we're selling. But uh, I think right now we're at about 50 that are confirmed. Uh, we're going to send out, if you have uh, registered either saying on Facebook that you're coming or uh, via our registration on the site. If you go to the site, just search for uh, Vegas Do and you can find the uh, the link. But uh, if you have registered, I'll be sending out information just to confirm everything. So it could be 50, it could be more. I guess it could be a little bit less, but uh, whatever, whoever shows up, the whole team, it'll be Mark, myself, PDX Deals guy is going to be there. Zach from Travel Freely will be speaking and Bethany from Bougie Miles. It's going to have some giveaways and it's going to be lots of fun. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I definitely recommend people go out. I think any kind of meetup or chance to connect with people in the community is great. And I think it's even better that the MTM meetup is free. I don't know how much Chicago seminars cost, but I know like FTU is like $250 now or something crazy like that. So it's pretty cool that uh, we're doing it for no cost to listeners or readers, excuse me. Yeah, Chicago seminars was $125, which isn't bad for for an entire weekend. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. And like I said, it goes, uh, the speakers, the few people that go out there and speak to get their travel paid for or reimbursed. But uh, as far as getting paid to speak or anything, we volunteer our time. So Chicago Seminar is a great event. I know there had been some rumors that maybe it was the last year. They confirmed that it's going to happen again next year. So if you didn't get to go this year, you know, it's going to be, I believe, October 16th through 18th next year. So look out. You'll probably hear stuff around next summer. Uh, with more details about that. It's a great event and I'm glad to go uh, pretty much every year. 
and we had a blast. I hope we can do more of them. I hope Mark decides to come and maybe he uh, will actually go to, to a seminar or two, uh, but probably not. <laughs> probably not. I just, I don't know. They're not for me. I'm, I'm more of the mingling type. Sean, aren't you like paying for him? Can't you like force him to go or something? <laughs> no, he just makes me pay for him and then he sits at the bar the whole time. <laughs> No, I told I told him. I said this is how it was going to go. But I went I went to a couple. I went to the uh, Bethany's and Sean. So I get props for that, right? Yeah, and shout out to Bethany uh, Bougie Miles. She did uh, two great presentations, and she even served uh, champagne at her presentation. So she kept it bougie the entire time, just as she should. And we're so happy to see that she's speaking and doing so well. And that Bethany used to be uh, an editor on our site, so we're so glad to see her doing that. And she's also speaking in Vegas too. So. Yeah, great weekend. Uh, we great talk on the Disney panel. Richard Kerr, Dia from uh, the Deal Mommy was there as well on the panel. And yeah, if you, uh, I think you had a pretty cool uh, way to learn about Disney out there too, since I know everybody out there loves us talking about Disney. Anyway, do we have anything else to say about this, guys? Or should we get into the show? Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Well, we're going to start off uh, talking today a little bit about Hyatt, a couple different things. Mark, uh, I know that you were sort of digging into your bill from a recent Hyatt stay and you realized some interesting thing about when you charged uh, like incidentals to the room, right? On award stays. Yeah. So I I wrote an article uh, like a week ago that said, bill everything back to your room. It's a good tip. Uh, you get those extra points because you, you normally you'll still get the points from your credit card spend. Uh, when you go to check out, but you should also earn points based on uh, whatever you spent. Like it's a cash stay you'd earn. So it's kind of like double dipping versus just paying for it as you, you purchase it at the store. So you kind of like double dip your points or miles there. But on my recent Hyatt stay, when we were in Orlando, after the checkout, I looked at my folio and the points did not add up. I, I spent, I want to say like $300, something like that. And I only got like 180, 180 points for it. So a very small portion of that full bill actually earned me any points. So I reached out to them via Twitter and was like, what's going on with this? And they said, well, per our terms, you don't get points for any alcoholic beverages, any purchases at restaurants that aren't owned and operated by Hyatt. So as long, even if it's on site and you can bill it back to the room, doesn't mean that you're going to get points for it. I booked my room with Hyatt points and then I paid a $50 a night upgrade to get a suite. I didn't earn any points on the upgrade charge. They said that if it's a on an award stay, upgrade charges don't earn points. Uh, valet parking doesn't earn points. If you go to the article, there's a, a whole list of it, and I copy their terms and pasted them. But it's very restrictive. I, I was kind of surprised, and I don't even understand why they would do it. I stayed at Hilton the next next two nights and built everything back to the room from like the market uh, to the restaurant to drinks at the pool. And I earned points on everything. I earned bonus points on everything. Ended up earning 40 points per dollar on every dollar I spent. So that's getting value back versus at Hyatt, you're not getting any value back. And, you know, as you guys know, everything on property is always overpriced as it is. So that's kind of like a little kickback for spending that extra money on property. But now with Hyatt, I'm probably not going to be spending any money on property going forward. Joe, do you spend a lot of money uh, at hotels, like stuff that you can charge to your room? No, rarely. I mean, I don't usually eat in a hotel. Well, I should take that back. If it's like our first hotel in on like a long trip, we usually will eat at the hotel restaurant or whatever just because we're exhausted. But once the kids are adjusted, once we're ready to go, we try to avoid staying at the hotel. I mean, usually we're in someplace fun, so we'd rather go explore that. But it's kind of like a bummer to hear that all those things didn't get you bonus points. I mean, kind of like, what's the point there? And I'm not even sure what they're losing by denying you that. 
Yeah, it seems a, a little short-sighted. And, and like you, I don't charge too much to my room. And if it is, it's usually like a, a hotel restaurant. So that usually has counted. So I haven't had very many discrepancies on my own stuff uh, on award stays. But you, you would think that they would want to incentivize you to stay there and to charge everything in your room and earn points uh, to keep you in their ecosystem, especially because, as you point out, Mark, they have such high markups generally in resort stuff. So it's sort of interesting to see that. I'm glad you were able to confirm everything. And, and I guess the, the lesson to learn is, you know, make sure you're paying attention to this stuff, what you are earning when you check out of a hotel. Make sure it matches up to what you expect. Make sure you understand the rules so that when you are deciding how to pay for something and what you're doing and even uh, which hotels you're going to stay at, that you're getting uh, sort of what you expect going in. Yeah, I found it bizarre, the the whole, if it's not owned and operated by Hyatt, even if you eat dinner there or breakfast or whatever, you're not getting any points for that. I understand they don't own it, so they're not earning the profit off it, but it's still something that they're leasing the space out to, so they're making money on that end. So they want it to be successful, so why wouldn't they want to encourage their hotel guests to go in there and spend the money for their overpriced goods so that they can keep collecting that rent, so... I don't know. It just seems cheap to me. Yeah. And, and things like the upgrade fee on an award stay, absolutely, that should earn points. Yeah, I couldn't believe that one. That was bizarre. Like you said, it may in the article, it may be an IT issue. Uh, we don't know. Something else uh, to sort of talk about Hyatt while we're talking about there. This past weekend, I was orig- originally going to stay at a Hyatt sort of in North Chicago on Sunday night, and I had a reservation book there. And I canceled it on Saturday, which was uh, within the 24 or over 24 hours, which for globalists is uh, the normal thing. Uh, For other people, it's 48 hours you have to cancel in order to get a refund. So I cancel on the website. Uh, It was a category one, get my 5,000 points back. Everything looks good. I canceled on Saturday. Then on the next day on Sunday, I get a, all of a sudden I get an email from the hotel with a bill for $149 plus tax for a cancellation fee. What was interesting about that before I go into how you, how I resolve that was the $149 cancellation fee showed as eligible spend. But even though I was being charged the night, of course, I wouldn't get the night because I wasn't at the hotel. An interesting thing there. But yeah, as far as how I resolve that, and this is an article on the site, I actually went right to Twitter. And while I was in the Chicago seminars, actually leading uh, some seminars on Sunday, I actually was able to get everything resolved via their Twitter team. So while they do fall uh, short in certain areas, their customer service seems to be pretty good. When there is a mistake, uh, how are you able to resolve your situation? Were they Did they give you any points when you talked to them and confirmed everything or did they just too bad for you? Yeah. So when I reached out to them, I sent them a couple different bills, like two or three, and they kept telling me what was wrong. Like when we were at Guildhall, I guess the restaurant that we had like an appetizer at wasn't owned by Hyatt. So we didn't earn any points on that and stuff like that. But there was one that came up that should have earned points. So they said, well, we'll just throw you the, uh, the 200 Hyatt points you should have got for that. I'll add it to your account. So They're willing to work with you when there is an issue, but it's annoying that you have to reach out to them. But I do usually start with Twitter because they're pretty good for both Hyatt and Hilton. They're both really good teams that that respond quickly and take care of stuff on their own. Yeah, in my case, I was about to run into a session and I got that email with the bill. So I sent them a Twitter message. I said, hey, what's up? I just canceled this. And then they couldn't understand. They said, what do you mean you got a bill? It was an award stay. I'm showing everything's fine. So then they're like, can you please send us something? So I had to send them a screenshot. But that only took me about a minute or two. And thankfully, they were able to contact the hotel and advocate for me. So just a, a good reminder that Twitter for Hyatt and, and for many brands is great since you don't have to get all you know worked up. Like I didn't have to call and explain myself. I could just sort of do that while I, did every, while I had other things to do. And then it was eventually uh, resolved. Yeah, it's a bummer. I didn't know uh, a lot of that. I'm glad you were able to, to bring that out and 
while we like, love to talk great about Hyatt and we generally love our Hyatt stays, not a perfect program, I guess. It is what it is. Anything else to add about uh, Hyatt, Joe? No, I just uh, echo that their Twitter team is pretty good. And if you find that you might not make a stay and you are up against the cancellation window, uh, I've had good luck talking to the Twitter team. So, uh, you know, go ahead and try that next time you're in that situation. All right. And uh, we're going to talk right after this break about uh, American Express Rat, the rewards abuse team. But uh, first, I wanted to uh, take a quick break and just talk about a couple other Miles and Points podcasts that I appear on or going to be appearing on. Uh, We Travel There is our friend uh, Lee Huffman uh, from Bald Thoughts. He does uh, this travel podcast. Each episode is about a specific city. Basically, locals or people who know the city really well come on and talk about the best places to see and eat. It's really informative, and he's been doing it for about, I think, a year and a half, two years now. So he has a lot of different cities covered. I'm actually going to be doing Las Vegas, and that's going to come out in the next couple weeks. So it's going to be really exciting. And then I also wanted to just plug... uh, the Miles to Go and Now Boarding podcast with uh, Ed Pizzarella. I semi-regularly co-host Now Boarding with him probably once a month or so. Those podcasts are, we'll talk about uh, different various topics, miles and points related. Uh, now Boarding, we talk about some of the coolest posts on uh, Boarding Area. And he has kind of a rotating few co-hosts that come that kind of come through on that show. So if you haven't checked out either of those, give them a try. And uh, now let's talk about uh, American Express. So Joe, what do you feel about the... Uh, the rewards abuse team at American Express. The rat. I mean, <laughs> it got you called, all excited there. It's called the rat. So acronym is the rat. So what positive thing can you say about that? Um, they are hitting people from multiple angles. I think that's what uh, Danny said in his headline. If I'm not mistaken, is that his uh, headline? That's correct. That That's my headline that he wrote. <laughs> Man, you got to take credit for everything. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. yeah geez. i'm a credit hog every time i rewrite one of your titles i'm gonna make sure i let everybody know i'm gonna be like that was me <laughs> the next time will be the first time <laughs> it's only fair because i always uh rewrite your show notes so <laughs> that is true you usually add a uh, comma in there somewhere <laughs> so the rat team like danny said has been hitting things from multiple angles and they've been really like cracking down so the ability to refer people came out like a little over a year ago. Back then, people realized that you could self-refer, so you could send a referral to yourself and then sign up, get the bonus, and then get also the referral bonus for referring yourself. Most people kind of had stopped that, but Amex seems like the rat team is retroactively taking away bonuses. And then today, as we're recording this, they just took away the ability for people who self-refer to refer other people. So they kind of completely lost that. Although I don't think people's accounts have been totally shut down, but still losing the ability to refer is pretty big. So uh, it's pretty crazy that they're digging back through the records. I don't know if you guys were affected by any of this. I haven't been affected. The first time I was affected by a rat uh, personally was back in 2016 though. And that's sort of where they first came onto the scene uh, with a, uh, an Amex Platinum 100K offer. My wife applied for it. It was supposed to be a targeted offer for somebody and the link went public and she got approved, got her points. And then all of a sudden her entire membership rewards account was frozen. This happened to a lot of different people. Thankfully it was, it got unfrozen since then. But ever since 2016, we've seen these stories come occasionally where American Express either runs a report, comes up with a new algorithm, 
something and they uh they find what they consider as abuse and then they go back and they take no prisoners when they come back and and claw stuff back like you said closed accounts but yeah there's a few different uh pieces of news on on what they are attacking uh the first thing was self referrals and we had seen them claw back self referrals before but there's a new sort of kicker this time in this news and that's that they have not only taken people's points back, but now they've blocked them from ever being able to, re- well, I don't know about ever, but they've blocked them from being able to refer anybody else now. So not only did they lose the points, but now they can't even refer other people. Yeah, and they're also attacking uh, people that have the platinum card. They, they You get the $50 Saks Fifth Avenue credit uh, twice a year, and it wasn't supposed to work for gift cards, but what people would do is if you go into the store and you bought a gift card, a physical gift card at the at the counter, you'd still get the credit. So they're retroactively going back and charging people that $50 that had bought a gift card in store. Uh, another thing that people had been doing, which is shady, and I don't know why they didn't think this would happen, but uh, they would order stuff online and then would just never go pick up the order. So it would get canceled. It would get credited back, but they would still earn that $50 credit. So those are getting retroactively uh, charged as well. So those two things, which were against the rules, with the referral, there wasn't really any rules saying that you couldn't refer yourself. I had written when it first came out, I said, I think that that Amex is going to look at this as gaming and they're going to come back and take it from you. And that was like within days of people saying that you could refer yourself. So, And I said that just because of what they had done with, uh, what was it, uh, Staples, where people had added it to multiple cards and they sent them bills uh, if they'd used it on more than one card. And some people got hit with like twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. I forgot about that. Yeah. So as soon as they had done that, I said, well, they're going to come after these people for self-referral too. So that's why I never did it. I referred my wife if it, if that made sense. Um, so if you have a two-player system, you should have never been referring yourself anyways. The rules for the SAC stuff, I get it was in the rules, but it still seems kind of cheap to come after somebody like a year later for it. Uh, the last couple of times I've actually bought merchandise instead of gift cards, which I did early on. So I haven't seen anything from that yet, but I don't know how far back they're going to go. I think what's feels bad is if you did not want people to self-refer, which I agree is against the spirit of what the referrals are for, but if you didn't want people to do that, then code your IT or tell people that they shouldn't do that or just write a line that says, hey, don't do this. But, you know, it wasn't there, unlike the Saks thing. Um, So, you know, I think that's kind of crummy, for lack of a better term. Uh, I do have a friend who we will call Joe C to keep him anonymous. Call him Jose. Uh, And I'm Mark. (laughs) that's right um they self-referred once but then they thought better of it like you said mark and realized that it wasn't going to be a good idea Uh, and so they stopped jose c still has not had any clawbacks or (laughs) referral shutdown i don't know why you're laughing this is a very important thing to my friends and i appreciate your respect for that but anyway uh but jose c also is kind of always looking over his shoulder figuring the rat is coming for him you know all that being said even even though people were violating the spirit of Amex's rules, at least on the self-referral thing, it wasn't written down. So I don't know. That's sort of not cool. But I'm curious, you know, what do you guys think are the best ways to avoid the rat uh, aside from the obvious don't self-refer? Well, just just to, to go off that point a little bit, going along with your point, I agree that if their system's broken that they can't stop it from happening, then usually customer service, at least Amex used to have great customer service. Now it's not so great. But in the customer service field, if the mistake is your own, that you didn't properly set up stuff or, or you know, you made an error, like if you go into a store and they price it wrong, they have to uphold that price because that's on them. 
this is kind of on AMX for not setting up the proper gates and not putting in the terms properly. So they should just eat it and then change it going forward. But that hasn't been their way the last couple of years. And I don't know if that's because they're not making enough money or they're losing customer base to chase and whatnot. But the fact that they're just going after customers, it just shows their lack of concern for customer service, in my opinion. Well, I think it also shows that they figured out that they have the advantage when it comes to the way that they've written their terms. Basically, anytime that they see that there's any sort of abuse as they perceive it, that they can do this and 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 they have. And so I think long term, we have to really start looking at how we value American Express products in a way that we have to use them as intended. And so we saw the one of the best values in the uh, American Express Platinum has been the travel incidental credit. And we saw they, you know, used to work to buy small gift cards on pretty much any airline or most airlines, and that's died this year. And so that that alters the value. Now we have to figure out, well, if I have this travel credit with the American Express Platinum or this travel incidental credit, I may have to actually use it as intended, God forbid, you know. No. <laughs> if I have the Saks credit, I may actually have to buy something at Saks. You and can get uh, like half a sock for 50 bucks. Good luck. <laughs> and, uh, you know, on the on the business platinum, you have the Dell credit, right? So you have different things that you need to sort of change the way you think about American Express. I wrote a long time ago uh, an op-ed about technology and how it's basically our enemy in the miles and points space because these companies, these banks are getting more mature data. They're getting better at uh, running reports. They're getting better at uh, with their algorithms finding accounts, finding how profitable you are as a customer. And uh, in American Express's case, they're, they've learned, it seems like, that going aggressively after people who they feel are violating the rules or the spirit of their program, uh, it's working for them because I don't know that there's a lot of people that are succeeding. Uh, I know some people have, you know, in the past filed the uh, complaints and been able to get their, their accounts unfrozen, things like that. But as far as I'm taking away uh, referral bonuses, stuff like that, or like you said, clawing back American Express offers uh, to the tune of thousands of dollars. They've done it. They've gotten away with it, as far as I know. Therefore, I, I suppose it's legal based on their terms. I don't know, but I'm not a lawyer. But uh, it seems like they have their strategy, and it, it's unfortunate, but it's a kind of the world we have to live in now. Yeah, and I've I've used uh, CFPB in the past against them. Uh, I had the same thing in 2016 where they froze the accounts and wouldn't give me the 100,000 points for my wife. So I filled out that form explaining that I did all the spending, whatnot, you know, I completed all their terms. And then within a couple of days, they released it. And, and that program has been kind of neutered the last couple of years. And I've heard people say they fill it out and Amex just basically tells them to pound sand anyways, even if they're on the, on the right side of it. Amex is like, what are you going to do? Cause this, you know, government bureau has no power anymore. So we're not going to listen to anything they say. So that's where it's at right now until somebody in the government steps up and finally fights back against credit card issuers like they do in other countries and say, you know what, you can't just do whatever you want, whenever you want. If it's not in your terms, it's not in your terms. So we don't really have anything to go against them with now, besides just pulling our money out, but they're not going to give us any points because we stopped using them. Yeah, a lot of people think the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, was has been around forever, but it was actually only formed under President Obama in 2011. And then uh, the current administration has a different view on their role. So as you say, they certainly are, are much less aggressive at helping uh, consumers compared to the way that they used to be, because you used to be able to certainly get them to uh, talk to you and, you know, and fix things, like you said, we, with the uh, 100K Platinum. So yeah, CFPB doesn't seem to be as good a tool 
Have you heard of any other tools, uh, any other success, Joe, that other people have had in reversing uh, the moves of uh, Amex's uh, rewards abuse team? No, I'm kind of not like, I don't know. I know that like we're playing a game or I'm playing a game or Jose, whoever that is, is playing a game. So if I uh, take a loss, then uh, I kind of, you know, I just move on. I don't try to fight super hard about these things. It's interesting what you guys say about the CFPB and stuff like that. I've always, I think if I lost enough, I would try those kinds of things, but I've never tried that before personally. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, when you're doing this enough, you know, sometimes you got to just sort of cut your losses and then uh, adjust as you go forward. So I think anybody out there, I personally am sort of adjusting my look at the value of American Express as far as when I look at travel credits, when I look at other benefits and maybe other ways to take advantage of them, I'm sort of looking at, well, do I want to do that? Or maybe I'll just go buy half a sock at Saks and uh, figure out what that means value-wise to me. And does that mean that I should have the platinum or maybe I shouldn't have the platinum? I don't know. I'll have to figure that out for myself when it comes up. I think all this definitely hurts their uh, more expensive cards, their charge cards the most of of everything. So I think they're going to lose market share in that even more because people are going to look at it the way that, that we're talking about and say, you know, I used to get some value out of these credits, but now maybe not so much. So I'm not going to keep this long term. So we'll see how that plays out. All right. And uh, let's move on to our rapid fire segments. We're going to go over a few different stories. Uh, we all have links on the website if you want to find out more. And uh, we're going to start with our first rapid fire, and that is Mark slaying the Amex pop-up. So Mark, explain exactly what the Amex pop-up is and uh, how you defeated it. Yeah, so this is another uh, thing that Amex Rat came up with. Uh, Originally, we thought it might be a good thing. What they did is they instilled this pop-up when you go to apply for a credit card. If you're not going to be eligible for the uh, welcome offer, this pop-up will come up after you hit submit, and it'll tell you you're not going to get the welcome offer, do you still want to proceed? And most people just say, no, I don't want to proceed. And then you don't, they don't do the hard pull or credit check or any of that stuff. And the it's cancels the application. So I have gotten the pop up like a year ago, almost a year to the date when I was going for the uh, Amex Charles Schwab card. And uh, I was sad about it. And I tried over the over several months, like every few months, I try to apply for a card and I kept getting the pop up. And originally, we thought maybe this would be just telling us if we've had the card before or whatnot. But Now it's just saying, hey, we don't think you're a good customer or you've abused us in the past or whatever. However, they think it goes that you don't deserve the welcome offer. They just give you the pop up. So everybody had thought that the only way to get around it was to spend more money on American Express cards. And to be honest, we hadn't spent a lot on my cards. Most of the Amex spend went on my wife's cards because of the cards she carried. So I uh, recently did an upgrade offer from my no fee Hilton to the surpass. And I put a lot of spend on it to get the 15K free night. And then I had some good IMX offers and spending offers. So I probably put like twenty dollars to $25,000 of spend within a four-month period. And I just applied for one of the increased Delta offers, and I did not receive the pop-up. So I think it is spending-related. If you put more spend on your card, you can avoid the pop-up. I don't know what that number is. I would assume somewhere over $10,000 in a three-, four-month period. If you can do that, then you'll probably get off the list. Yeah, it's a pretty good data point. And uh, like I said, we have more information on the site if uh, people want to look into it a little bit uh, deeper. Uh, second rapid fire, and I'm surprised. I've been waiting all day for Mark to make fun of me for this. But uh, a brand new uh, amusement or actually theme park has been announced for California. And uh, it's Sesame Place is coming to San Diego. Are you excited, Mark? Joe, you guys excited for Sesame Place West Coast? No. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, have you ever been to the Sesame Place? Uh, there is one in uh, Pennsylvania. 
Also, nope. Uh, we've planned to go multiple times, but we never have ended up actually going there. The closest I got is there's a Chick-fil-A that is right next to the wall going into the park. Um, and I've been there two or three times because my friend lives right by Sesame Place, but we've never actually made it inside. And for those that don't know, Sesame Place is a Sesame Street theme park uh, with water rides, with regular rides, shows, entertainment, basically aimed at that toddler crowd. And uh, it's owned by SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment, who owns all the SeaWorld parks, who owns Discovery Cove in Orlando. Uh, They also own the two Bush Bush Gardens parks in Williamsburg and Tampa. And they are going to be building Sesame Place out in Chula Vista, California, which is basically a suburb of San Diego. Uh, Right now, um, they have a water park called uh, Aquatica, uh, that there that they actually bought from Cedar Fair. It used to actually be a Knott's Berry Farm themed water park and they converted it into Aquatica and added animal theming. And I don't know if it hasn't been successful or what, but they're going to actually convert that into Sesame Place West Coast. And uh, it's going to, they're going to add rides. You're going to have all the Sesame Street entertainment. And I believe pretty much all of the slides and everything else look like they're going to stay. So between Legoland up in Carlsbad and now Sesame Place, down in Chula Vista plus SeaWorld. I think you got, uh, if you got a little one, uh, San Diego is looking like a pretty cool place to bring them for theme parks. And you can, uh, you can check all the news on our site if you want more information on that. And from theme park to free 5X, Joe, you got, uh, we got some good deals this week on uh, gift cards, right? Yeah, I feel like we say this every single week. And, you know, maybe it should just be a standing. <laughs> announcement but uh office depot this was not announced in their flyer or anything but uh you know if you spend up to three hundred dollars on gift cards you get fifteen dollars back the best way to do that is uh two times two hundreds and then staples is doing two hundred dollar no fee mastercard office depot and office max is visa excuse me essentially all the office supply spend you could want as long as they let you buy more than one which staples is getting super annoying about yeah the office depot uh, deal is probably their best one that they offer anymore the 15 off 300 and best thing generally buy two 200 dollars cards the the key with office depot is that if you can find a, a store cashier that lets you buy multiple sets and then of course you yeah, have staples mastercards not as exciting as uh, some of the visa deals that they've had but uh, certainly lots of opportunities and as we go into november december there should be plenty more of opportunities for fee-free cards And uh, the last rapid fire, Mark, I know it was really popular this week on the site. I was so jealous that you actually got there and wrote this uh, because it's been been on my list like forever. And I I don't know. I've been to New York plenty of times that I could have gotten there and I just it never seemed to work out. But you got to Roosevelt Island and you got to cover it on the site. And lots of people were really interested or didn't know about it. So maybe talk a little bit about it. People can check it out if they're interested. Yeah, so we actually hit it on the way back from, we went to a Yankees game during the day. It was like a one o'clock game and I stayed for an hour and a half, Joe, not 37 minutes like you guessed earlier in an earlier episode. So on the way back, uh, we got off the subway and and you can actually, there's two ways you can get to Roosevelt Island and it's, well, before that, I should say, it's a, a thin island in between Manhattan and Queens. And it used to be where, like, they would send the poor, send the sick, send the uh, criminally, uh, the criminals and stuff. So it was kind of like uh, New York's Australia, I guess, back in the day, where they'd send everybody they don't want to look at, they'd send to this island. So that's the history of it. But New York's uh, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get there two ways, and and the 
the first way you can you can take a subway. Uh, I think it's the F train just going off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that's right. So you can take that there. But the cooler way is to take a tram where it, you go along the bridge and you're up in the sky. You get cool views of the city that you can't really see anywhere else. And you can take pictures. And, and But I will say there's no air or anything in it. So if it's a hot day, you might want to just take the subway. So we took the tram over and we took the train back. The train was way quicker, but the tram was worth it. And you pay the same metro, the 225 uh, like you would to ride the subway to to ride the tram. And then once we got there, it's just this serene island that's right in the smack middle of Manhattan. There's fields and uh, soccer fields, baseball fields, parks. There's a really cool, at the southern tip, there's the uh, Freedom Park, which has like Franklin Roosevelt statue and plaques and stuff. And this tree-lined walkway that's beautiful. You can see the pictures on the uh, on the article. It's It's amazing. You feel like you're in a whole nother world. And you're just steps away from the hustle and bustle of Manhattan. So it had long been on my list for five plus years. And we finally made it there. And I didn't even get to go to the north end because it's a pretty long island. So I'm looking forward to go back to go to the north end, which has like a lighthouse and everything. There's a few restaurants and bars that you can check out while you're there. There's just there's very little car traffic. You walk everywhere. Uh, There's a bus that goes around that's free that you can hop on and off. It's amazing. If it's your second or third trip to New York City, I highly recommend you go and check it out. Have you ever been, Joe? No, I haven't. I'm curious. How do you think like little kids would do there? It's like a lot of walking, you know, is it stroller friendly, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, very stroller friendly. Uh, or you could hop on the bus. It's, I think it's a couple miles uh, long, but walking's pretty easy because there's sidewalks everywhere and there's not a lot of uh, car traffic at all. So I saw maybe four cars the entire time I was walking around for like two, three hours. So it's pretty cool. And then there's little playgrounds and stuff for the kids to play. There's uh, soccer fields, baseball fields. So you can play catch or if you have a soccer ball, bring it and then kick it around and stuff. So I think it's actually better than walking through Manhattan with kids. Central Park, of course, is another place you could take them. That's awesome. But it's way more serene than Central Park because a lot of people go to Central Park. Not that many people go to Roosevelt Island. So it's kind of like the hidden gem of New York City, I think. And they got a cable car. So, you know, that's that draws me in right. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) I always wondered what that I've always seen that cable car and I never like bothered to look up where it was. So it's. Good to know now. You know, I'm always learning geography on podcasts. And it's not that far from Central Park. So if you're in that sort of midtown area, pretty close to get to. Yeah, pretty quick from there. That's going to do for do it for the show today. And uh, if just as a reminder, if you do enjoy the show, consider subscribing, mtmpodcast.com. You can find all of the links to subscribe so that you'll get the latest episodes each Thursday downloaded to your uh, favorite device. And uh, if you like the show, consider uh, leaving us a review. We really do appreciate all the great reviews and we appreciate hearing from all of you and meeting you uh, out and about. So consider coming to Vegas, November 9th. We have various meetups around and uh, until next time, uh, peace out. See you next week. Jose, stop, uh, stop angering the rat. All right. And I'm Mark. who played Anakin he was oh my god he was the worst especially going back and watching those original movies or the ones that they made in like the late 90s whatever the dude that played Luke is a terrible actor too that's why he never got another job doing anything else (laughs) I mean heck the best storyline and the best acting was Rogue One I agree Rogue One was a great movie yeah that was the only one that had like a good acting and like a decent arc and like actual storytelling 
I, I like the new movies. I mean, The Last Jedi wasn't perfect, but uh, uh, I like The Force Awakens, and I like these new movies. I'm really excited for Rise of Skywalker, and I will be there opening day with my family, <laughs> and I bought my tickets and stopped making fun of me. Mr. Proactive I'm, Skywalker. I'm going to go I'm gonna go all pizza points on this in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are. Joe, do you want to give him crap about that kind of shady stuff he just was talking about? <laughs> no. Uh, no, because uh, I am dancing <laughs> around other shady stuff that I'm not uh, speaking about uh, on the record. So, uh, you know, but if you're curious, you can uh, DM me. <laughs> I thought you well, wanted to get it back after last week. Now, now I'm all paranoid about saying that out loud. <laughs>